Welcome to the sermons of Our Savior Lutheran Church in Fort Capel, Saskatchewan. We pray that this may be a blessing to you, and God's Word would dwell richly within your heart. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Shortly before our Lord's, pardon me, shortly after our Lord's baptism and the calling of his first five disciples, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Galilee in Cana is near Nazareth. Mary was most likely related to either the bride or the groom, and from the text it appears that she was one of those helping with the wedding feast. And since he had already returned from the Jordan River where John was baptizing, Jesus and his disciples were invited as well. These feasts were times of great joy of family and friends and neighbors celebrating the marriage. At these feasts, there would always be food and drink provided. Even a relatively poor family would ensure that there was food and wine for the guests. It would be an especially embarrassing situation to run out of either. During the feast, that embarrassing situation was coming near. The wine had ran out, and this was not widely known yet among the guests. Mary knew, and others that were helping would have known, but not anyone else. At this time, she comes to her son, who had just began his messianic ministry, saying, They have no wine. She comes to Jesus for a number of reasons. First, she knew that Jesus had returned from his baptism, and now he had disciples, which he did not have before he left. In light of the words which the angel Gabriel spoke to her when she first conceived, and in light of all the events which she treasured up in her heart during Jesus' childhood, she would have known that now her son had entered his messianic office. And so she comes to him knowing him to be the Son of God, knowing him to be the Messiah, and tells him they have no wine. She hopes for a miracle. Maybe she even hoped that because he was her son, she would listen to him. This seems likely based on how Jesus answers her, saying, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Here there is a rebuke. A gentle rebuke, yes, but a rebuke nonetheless. Our translation has, what does your concern have to do with me? Which is probably the least likely way to put that. If, if you look at other translations, you'll see many different ways that this is translated into English because it's a Hebrew idiom. Literally, he responds, what is it to me and you? It's not Jesus saying, this is not my concern, but the opposite. The Hebrew saying essentially means, what do we have in common with this? As in, what does my affair have to do with you? He knows why she came to him, why she laid this problem before him, and he makes it clear to her that this is his affair. This is in the realm of his messianic office. Miracles are divine affairs, and in these she should not meddle. 
there is a place for parental authority, and surely our Lord was dutiful and obedient to his mother and to Joseph while he was alive. But this parental authority stops when divine matters come into play, for even parents must submit and obey divine authority. What they ask of their children must not prevent or hinder their faith, but rather nurture it and help it grow and to model submission to God. My hour has not yet come, says the Lord to his mother. He would perform a sign. It was appointed by God that it would happen here, and he would do it when he willed. He would do so at the proper time. So he tells his mother, leave me to my divine work and you continue in your work. I will do what I will when it is appointed. And see how Mary does not chafe at her son's rebuke. Rather, she meekly and humbly accepts it. She recognizes his authority in this. She does not despair, but continues to hope. She accepts his answer and immediately goes to the servants, to the others that had volunteered to be part of the wedding celebrations, and says, whatever he says to you, do it. She still hopes that even though Jesus had rebuked her, he would do something. Even though he had said, my hour has not yet come, that it would come. And so she points the servants to her son and tells them to listen to him, to speedily obey him in what he says. And here in this portion of our gospel, there is a wonderful example for us of prayer and faith. First, we see that Mary does not consider whether a lack of wine at a wedding is an important enough issue to bring to Jesus. We often can think when we pray that it must really be only the big things that we bring to our Lord. Maybe we even think that we're wasting his or our time by praying for little things. But Mary comes to Jesus because the wedding is running out of wine. This was not the end of the world for either the guests or the couple. Yes, it would be embarrassing, but life would go on. But this doesn't concern Mary. She does not go to her son thinking, will this be enough? Is this a big enough thing to ask him for? But she brings him her cares. So too, we should not think that something is too small or too insignificant to pray about, but rather bring all of our cares and concerns to our Lord by prayer. See too how she does not demand anything from Jesus, but simply says, they have no wine. She does not tell him how he must fulfill this request. She does not even hint at it. Rather, she simply brings her concern to Jesus and leaves it with him. She leaves him to fulfill the prayer when and how he pleases. This is something we too can learn from. The Lord is not a genie or a vending machine, and prayer is not a wish or coin that we put in to get what we want. No, in prayer we bring to God our worries, our cares, and our concerns. We ask him for help to deliver us, and we cast upon him all our needs of body and soul. And God, who gave his Son in order to save us, desires that we bring our prayers to him as a little child would bring their requests to their father and mother. But we should not tell him how he must answer our prayers. We must not demand anything from him, 
but rather bring our petitions to him and trust in him that he will answer them according to his good and gracious will, in his own time and in his own manner, according to what he knows is best for our eternal good. And so we come to hope. We can often become discouraged in prayer. There may be a concern or care that we have laid before the Lord time and time again, yet with no answer. When Mary went to the Lord to tell him of the lack of wine, she probably expected her son to answer in a positive way, to tell her not to worry. He would take care of it, dear mom. Instead, he rebukes her for extending her parental authority beyond its bounds. But she does not give up hope. She is not discouraged. Instead, she continues to hope, even while humbly accepting his rebuke. So, too, should we continue in our prayers, and not grow weary when the only answer that we seem to receive is silence. Rather, having entrusted our cares and concerns and burdens to him, we should, against all hope, believe in hope. We should trust that while it does not seem to be as we desire or hope, God will answer our prayers in the way that is best for us. He will answer them according to his will and in his time. So we continue to hope, and because we trust in him, have faith in him, because he is faithful and good and loves us with a sacrificial love beyond all telling. Back to our gospel. When the wine was well and truly gone, when the need was most felt, our Lord went to the servants and said, Fill the water pots with water. That is, take the stone water pots, those that are only used for ceremonial washing, and have only ever contained water and have not a trace of anything else in them. Fill those, as you would, with water. And the servants obedient to Jesus, filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Draw some out now, and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and did not know where it came from, but the servants who drew the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when everyone has well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. This begins the signs that Jesus did in Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. So it is that our Lord does indeed answer the prayer against all hope, and he performs the first miracle of his public ministry. Here he first manifested his glory, demonstrated his divinity, his office as Messiah, and as a result, his disciples believed in him. And it's no small thing that our Lord performs his first miracle at a wedding feast. And in doing so, and in the way he does so, he teaches us a number of things. First, we see that this miracle is one which blesses and honors family and marriage. Our Lord did not disdain marriage, but he honored it by attending a wedding feast. But he did not only attend it, he also manifested his glory at it. And this is fitting, for God himself is the one who instituted marriage even before the fall into sin. And he presented Eve to Adam, and joined them together that the two should be one flesh. And more than that, not only did he institute marriage, but he instituted it for our sake, 
so that we might have a picture of the relationship between Christ and the Church. So we should likewise see the dignity in marriage and honor it, especially in an age where it's put off as old-fashioned, denigrated and mocked in media to the left and to the right, and is seen as more of an at-will contract rather than a blessed and godly estate. In marriage, God grants us someone who's always there to love through service and good works. There are always crosses to bear and burdens to carry for one another that we may grow in sanctification and holiness through the work of the Holy Spirit. And if you're not married, so too the Lord still provides for you and all people the same opportunities in our wider families and in the family of the Church. For the context of our Lord's miracle also demonstrates for us love and hospitality in accordance with our epistle, which says, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Our Lord cared even about the embarrassment of the bride and the groom, and so out of love provided them with wine that they might not be ashamed. He was hospitable to them, saw their needs, and was certainly generous, as the money which would come from the amount of wine left over would support them for some time. So too we ought to love and care for one another, serving each other with good works for their sake, seeking their good both temporal and eternal. And see how our Lord uses natural means to bring this miracle about. He did not command angels to bring down jars of wine from heaven, he did not cause the empty jars of wine to become springs flowing with wine that would never dry up. Instead, he uses what is available to bring forth the miracle. He asks the servants to fill the stone jars with water, and this water he makes into wine. And in this, we see our Lord desires to use the gifts, for us to use the gifts that he has given us in the service of others. Some of these gifts are those gifts of the Spirit, which Paul writes of in our epistle, saying, Having gifts according to the grace that is given us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith, or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let us use these and all the other gifts which the Spirit has given us in the service of one another to build up the body of Christ. So too, let us use the material gifts that God has given us, not only to supply for our own needs, but also for the needs of others, so that through us God might care for them, so that through the blessings that we have received we might bless others. And just as our Lord uses the natural and humble means to bring about this miracle, so too he uses humble means to bring about miraculous things today. Through the read and preached word, he creates faith in us, that believing we might receive the forgiveness of sins that he won for us by his passion and death when he bore our sins on the cross to make atonement for them. Through the word, he takes those who were once dead in trespasses and raises them to new life. 
so too our Lord works through the waters of holy baptism to cause us to be born again. According to his command and promise, he is active through his word to bring this about. So that even though we only see a little bit of water poured on someone's forehead, it is truly the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Faith sees this and holds onto it, even though, like the servants filling the water, part, water pots, our eyes see only water. Likewise, in the Holy Supper, the Lord uses the vehicles of bread and wine to convey to us his glorified and living body and blood. With our mouths we eat and drink his very body and very blood, and by faith we receive the benefits of them. Forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. Through these, as through means, he works to sustain faith in us, so that in the life of the world to come, we may join in the marriage feast of the Lamb and his kingdom, which will have no end. May Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who manifested his glory by changing water to wine, also glorify us in the resurrection as he changes our lowly bodies to become like his glorious body, through faith in him and through his merits alone. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining us. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless and preserve you always. Amen.